So Christmas nightmares. We started this two weeks ago, and this is basically week two. Um, we're looking at the birth of Jesus Christ. We're reading through the birth of Jesus Christ, that story in the Bible. Um, and we're looking at it from our perspective, because typically if we were to look at that story from our perspective and we were to apply our culture and apply our standards for living and our ideas about um, having babies, then this situation's a nightmare, right? We can all agree that this is not your ideal situation for having a baby, um, but it's this way for a purpose, and, and that's what we're learning through this series. And tonight's message is called A Humble Babe. Because Jesus Christ, whenever he came, he taught us a very important lesson as a baby, as a newborn baby. Jesus taught us, is teaching us a very important lesson on humility, on how to be humble, on how to live your life, on how to... Um, have the correct perspective of Christmas and what it means and what it stands for. All right? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for this opportunity to come together and, and bond and get closer together. God, I pray that you be with us over the next maybe 20 minutes. Um, help us to focus on you and to forget all the outside distractions, and, and that we would grow stronger in your name tonight. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So yesterday, I had to get gas. And um, how many of you have ever seen uh, someone at the gas station that is asking for money? Y'all seen that before? Like, what's the, I'm not asking you what your response would be, but what's the typical response whenever people see the guy at the gas station and he's asking for money. No. Right? Well, the typical response is this. I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have cash, man. <laughs> right? So I saw this guy. It was yesterday. And I had to get gas. And I was um, walking out of the gas station to go put gas in my car. And this guy was standing. And he approached me. And he said, Sir. Can you give me a dollar? I need to get gas. I've got money at home, but I can't make it home. I need a dollar. And I told the guy my automatic response. I mean, it, it almost just automatically kicked in without me thinking about it. I said, well, I don't, I don't care you get cash, man. I'm sorry. So then I walked on, and I was pumping my gas, and I, I saw the guy walk in, and he walked in with some coins. And God really just just tore my heart up because number one, I lied, right? Like some of you are amazed. You're like, "Why you lied?" Yeah, I'm human. <laughs> we do that, you know. Um, and, and God touched my heart. God God guilted my heart. I felt guilty about that. And, and I felt God urging me and pushing me, saying, you know, maybe that was my opportunity to make a difference in someone's life through a very simple thing. So I started feeling really anxious and really um, nervous feeling. So I decided I'm going to go give that guy some gas money, right, because God really laid that on my heart. So I went inside. After I got done pumping gas, I was trying to hurry because the guy was waiting in line, and I didn't want him to pay. And, and I got in there, and as I was walking in, he was putting the change on the counter, and he said, I need $1.13 in gas. 
and and then he walked off really fast and and I walked up and I gave the lady a ten dollar bill and I said, "Hey, just add this ten to his to his gas, like give him eleven thirteen in gas, you know um and I'm so thankful I did that. Listen, this isn't a story for you to look at me and be like, oh, look how great Chris is. Chris is this, you know, amazing guy. Um, no, that's not the purpose of the story. The purpose of the story is that, that I had an automatic reaction because sometimes we lose focus of what Christmas is all about. We think about us. We think about what we want. Uh, for example, I really want a new Xbox. Yes, I'm 30 and I still want an Xbox. I'm a kid, right? You know, to me, I'm like, man, I want to save my money. I don't want to spend my money. I want to save my money to buy an Xbox. And, and I lose focus of the things that's important and, and the opportunity that was set before me to make a difference in someone's life. And I'm being selfish with $10, right? So I go and give that $10 to, this, to the cash lo- register lady and the guy's already walked out he didn't know and this other lady was standing there and I held the door open for her and she said that was really amazing that was really sweet that you did that and I just kind of smiled at her and she smiled and walked out and I and I walked to this guy and I said hey just so you know I I added ten dollars to your thing so you can get more gas and the guy grabbed me I mean he grasped me and hugged me and he said god bless you man I mean, think about this. Think about this. Because I had missed um, the opportunity up front, luckily I was listening to God, and God laid it on my heart, and I listened to God, and I went back in, and not only was that making a difference in his life, who knows if I touched a cashier's life, if God moved in that other lady's life. You never know. But see, you, you can never take advantage of that opportunity if we lose sight of what Christmas is all about, because typically... Let me, let me read this to you. The big idea. Why is that so low? Jesus was born in humble circumstances. His birth stands as a reflection of his earthly ministry. Listen to this. We often judge our life, even our Christmas, by what we get. Being like Christ, however, means we serve others humbly. All right, so for tonight, for the next 20 minutes, I want you to get in your head. I want you to forget about all the stuff that you want, all the stuff that you desire, and I want you to think for a minute that maybe Christmas isn't about getting the newest clothes or the newest game system or the newest car or the newest whatever. Maybe Christmas is an opportunity for me to give back to God, right? And we see this through this story of Jesus being born in which we would look at it as a nightmare. It's no good. It's a bad situation in Luke chapter 2. So open up to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We're not going to read through verse 9 all at once. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And And everyone who was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went went up from Galilee 
from the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Okay, number one. I want you to know, notice that this was a discouraging location. Like, like what Joseph and Mary, we read that scripture and we're like, oh, no big deal, he went down the road. No, not at all. You see, both Mary and Joseph were descendants of David and therefore they, could, they would go back to their tribal home in Judea to register. You see, but this was a tough situation because Mary had just looked like she had swallowed red dog and <laughs> she had to travel. Listen. She had to travel being that pregnant, <laughs> looking as miserable as Cherie on Easter morning with two kids and a baby. <laughs> and I'm going to stop. Somebody stop me. <laughs> All right. She was that pregnant, and she had to travel 70 miles to get there. Okay? I love you, Miss Cherie. See, here's the thing. Um, they didn't exactly have, like, leather-heated seats. You know what I'm saying? Like, we think 70 miles, that's no big deal. I can get there, um, depending on who you're riding with, <laughs> you know, in like an hour. Like, that's not a big deal. We can get 70 miles really quick on the highway, jump on the highway, we're there. But they didn't have leather seating. They didn't have heating and air. They didn't have a navigation system. They didn't have Pandora for you to listen to your favorite music. Um, they didn't have all these things that we have. It was 70 miles of mountainous terrain that they had to trek through. How many of you have, like, a little sister or brother, like a sibling? How many of you were old enough to remember your mom whenever she was pregnant with your sibling? Okay, how many of you can remember that when your mom was pregnant with your little sibling, um, your mom was most likely very emotional, and it's not a good thing, to good, a good idea to approach that pregnant lady and say things like, you look exhausted, or God, you're huge, or man, you look terrible, right? You see, I mean, listen, this is how bad this is. This is how bad this is. This is a lesson for all you men, okay? Whenever you get older and you get married and your wife is pregnant and she asks you, how do I look? Never say. Never tell her the truth, number one. All right? Yeah. Because it doesn't make her feel good when you say you look like a well. <laughs> what, if, what if she says, um, do you notice anything different about me? Listen, you would think that the good answer to that is, no, you look fantastic. You, you know, I can't even hardly tell. See, but that's not a good answer because she's going to respond with, so I always look like this. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no win. <laughs> it's a lose-lose situation. You always answer, all right? You always answer with, here it is. Okay, so I'm Jed. Cherie, you're beautiful, and you're a fantastic wife, right? 
Like that, it's the key to success in your marriage, okay? But get this, Mary, being as pregnant as she was, had to travel 70 miles, 70 rough, rigid, rugged miles carrying baby Jesus. You see, this was not ideal time to make this trip. See, but here's the thing. It was not ideal for Mary. It was not ideal for Joseph. But according to God, we know that it was perfect timing. Because if you look back in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But as for you, Bethlehem, to little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. And in case you missed that, that's um, Old Testament prophecy saying, hey, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, will be born in Bethlehem. But see, there was a problem because Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. You see, this didn't seem like the right time. This didn't seem like the most convenient situation. And a lot of times, whenever God calls you into something, it doesn't feel like the right time. It doesn't feel like the best situation for you and maybe your family. But if it's God's timing, it's always the right time. And it's important for us to understand that because God's plan for us is always way better than than our plan for ourselves. Right now we're going through this thing with Carson and Emerson where Carson doesn't comprehend the fact that Emerson doesn't understand what you're saying to her, right? So like we're driving down the road and she's like, nah, 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 da, da, nah, nah, dog, nah, 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 right? Like random words in there. And Carson, Carson gets tired of her talking and he says, Emerson! Hush! <laughs> like Carson, she doesn't understand. Or the best, my favorite, my favorite is whenever they're playing at home and, and Emerson, does again, doesn't understand and Carson's trying to build something or something and, and, and Emerson grabs whatever he's building with and she starts like slinging it around and playing with it and Carson gets upset with her and he yanks it back from her and then um, she immediately sits down really hard and she goes, Nah! She's demon-possessed, right? You see, but here's the thing. Um, Carson's not very patient. Listen to me, listen. Carson is not very patient with Emerson. Carson's he doesn't understand the idea of patience and, and waiting and, and truth be known. We struggle with that too. Even if you're 15 or 16 or 30 or 40, you struggle with patience and you don't want to wait on God. You don't want to wait on God's timing. You want it to be perfect for you and, and your timing and your idea, but that's not always the case. You see, sometimes the most humbling thing we can do is depend on God's timing. But then number two, number two. Notice it was inadequate settings. In verse 6, it says this. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. All right. What? 
Listen. Inadequate setting. See, this wasn't the setting for the King of Kings. This wasn't the perfect setting for our Lord, our Savior. For, from the one who was going to sacrifice his perfect life for me who, does, who, who doesn't even deserve it. You see, we see this and we, we think of it as a beautiful, poetic moment in history. And then she lays Jesus in a manger. This big story, this big, the whole Old Testament's been building up to this thing. Years and years of building up to this one event. And she lays him in a manger. So let me rephrase this so that you can get an actual idea of what this actually looked like. Because I feel like you have a skewed perspective of what this event looked like. All right? So I'm going to read it like this because this is a little bit more accurate. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloths, found a feeding trough, cleaned out the grit, the mold, and the cow poop, and placed Jesus in the trough. Not so beautiful, huh? I mean, think, think about this. You want to talk about a lesson about humility and learn, um, and, and learn from Jesus Christ as a baby, as a newborn baby? Um, Jesus left God the Father in perfect heaven, streets of gold, right? In, in a perfect atmosphere, nothing was wrong, no evil, no hate, no anger, just perfect love and a perfect temperature with perfect donuts, with perfect everything, right? All things were perfect and Jesus left that to become a baby and be laid in a place, in a box where they feed cattle. Also, he could grow up and again be perfect Right? Like not in the, you know, stuck up sense of perfect, but actually loving people when no one else would love that person perfect and living a, a spotless life to be betrayed and to be beaten and to be mocked and, be, and to be killed. He left that. And you can see from day one that this isn't going to go the way that it should go for the king and savior of the world. So now, let me ask you, let me ask you, look at me. Whenever you're thinking about Christmas, in what, 11 days? Christmas is in 11 days. Now let me ask you, what, um, what was that argument with your mom about the coach purse that you wanted? Think about this. What was that argument about the most expensive clothing line that your mom probably can't afford, but you don't want to be left out of, of certain people viewing you a certain way, so you argue about it? Because that's what you want for Christmas. What was that argument with, with your mom um, about getting a brand new Xbox? What was that argument about a new baseball bat, about a new Whatever. Like, you want to talk about an argument? You want to talk about things not going your way? <laughs> Carson, last week one day, he was running and he, he was jumping on the pews in the church. And I said, Carson, you can't do that. Don't do that in the church. And his response, but they're doing it. 
but they're doing it. See, at the age of five, Carson's already learned this. I must fit in. I must do what they are doing. Whether it's right or wrong, I will argue over this because that's what they are doing. You see, while we are complaining about how bad we have it and how good others have it, Jesus is teaching us, and we're overlooking it. Jesus is teaching us as he lays in this manger, in this, this, this food trough, this feeding trough. He's teaching us a very important lesson in humility. In the way that he was born, in the place he was born, and where he was born. But then the last one, notice this. There's insufficient room. Like of all these, of all this text that we've read, this nine verses, this is the saddest one for me. In verse 7, it says, Because there was no room for them in the end. I wonder if the people in this community knew what we knew now. Would they make room for Jesus Christ? Would they say, no, no, that's Jesus. He's coming in here. We're putting him in a room. You see, and that's obvious to us, and that's, that's a glaring thing to us. But then when we look at our lives, if you were to dig down deep into your own life, I would argue that maybe some of us aren't giving Jesus any room. We're looking at Jesus this Christmas season and saying, hey, as long as I get that Xbox, as long as I get that jacket, as long as I get this, as long as I get that, then I'll give you room, Jesus. But right now, there's no room in here. There's no room in here. Listen, like, like I don't mean to sound angry. I don't mean to sound, uh, I'm not angry. <laughs> like I'm passionate. I'm passionate about this because this is important. It's important for us to understand this. It's important for us to, to make room for Jesus in our lives. It's important for us to understand that Christmas isn't all about getting stuff. It's about giving back. Yes, some of you don't have jobs. Some of you don't have $10 to give a guy at the gas station. But that doesn't mean that you can't give back to God in the way you treat people, in the way you talk to people, in the way you act towards people. I'm going to ask you this question, and I want you to think about it, right? I want you to think about this tonight. I want you to pray about this tonight. With as much as you are going to get this Christmas, what are some ways that you can give back to Jesus the amount that you get? Like, think about the things you're going to get for Christmas. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I love Christmas. I love gifts. I love opening presents. I love buying my kids gifts. It's one of the highlights like, like of my years. One of my favorite things. And these guys can probably buy it. Like seeing your kid excited about the gift that you got them. It just, there's something about it. But it's also important for me to teach my kids that Christmas isn't just about getting gifts it's about loving jesus because jesus loved us enough to come and lay in a feeding trough and die for us amen walk up